Welcome to episode 24 of Weedy and Howe's The Other Responders. The reason for this episode is to highlight other tireless workers that are not being recognized. These workers are the workers that put their own money, their own time, and are not paid by the city. But yet their hard-earned contributions to make the people that are living on the street or housed insecure or food insecure are usually met with police resistance, harassment at the behest of the city, city council members in particular. We're going to highlight the stories of some of the unhoused that are receiving some of this hard-earned mutual aid and from the first responders, as well as have interviews from the first responders themselves and to show the frustration and the futility of the city to work against the people that they are elected for. Stay tuned for more. Okay. This is Theo Henderson from Weedy Unhoused. Today is May 2nd, and here we are in the studios with one of the uh, first responders. I like to call the people that are stepping up in COVID-19 and any other uh, challenges as first responders. It's just not always police officers and hospital uh, workers. This is a first responder that is feeding a need out here in Skid Row, Los Angeles. She's feeding the unhoused that has been mostly forgotten and ignored. So without further ado, I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell us why does she feel uh, the need to come out and help uh, someone? My name is Maxine Seely with Sharing of Others, and we've been on Skid Row for about a year, over a year, and we've been feeding the homeless out here and taking care of the community before the pandemic. So now that there's a pandemic, we need help. But we are out here passing out masks, we give out food, we give out uh, personal hygiene items, hand sanitizers and the community needs help the community needs help yes I mean we can do but so much we're a small organization so we need donations we would like for you to donate at sharing love at cash at sharing love 2019 Venmo sharing love with others our mailing address is sharing love with others 1035 Superior Avenue, Suite 4, Inglewood, California, 90301. But again, coming back to the community, there is a need out here. These, the people out here don't have the services that they need. It's a lot of mental health issues out here. A lot of people think that it's only drugs, but that's not the issue. That's not the main issue. To me, my personal opinion is the mental health. So if we can get help out here for the community, that would be great. One of the questions, I you said you've been out here for a year. What started you to come out here to uh, meet this need? Well, I've had a heart for uh, helping the community since 2004. I was going through my own financial struggles, and I went to my pastor, and I said, Pastor, we need to do something for the community, but that's in, 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 in Hawthorne. And I became the outreach director for the church, and after that, I started going to the missions and different organizations volunteering. But while I was volunteering, I did not have the contact with the community. We would just share the food. But I needed to talk to the people. I needed to feel, to hear what they had to say. I needed to connect with them. And our voluntary organizations, but since I didn't have that connection, I said I'm going to start my own organization. And we've been sharing it with others 
started in 2019, March of 2019. We have one year since we are a nonprofit organization. And we've been coming to Skid Row every Saturday. We haven't missed one Saturday. We come out here in the rain. <laughs> when it rains, we are out here. And the community loves that. I remember one time we came out here and as soon as we were setting up, it started pouring. Mm -hmm. And we started setting up and we were able to feed the community. The community came out after the rain and we fed them. There was another time it rained and they were they were they thought we weren't coming. And when we came, they were surprised. They're like, oh God bless you. You guys came out here in the rain. So we feel the love. We have that connection. We talk to them because they're human. They need a hug. We used to hug them. Now because of this pandemic, you know, I, I can't hug them. They can't hug me, but we have that urge. So I am just praying that all this is over with so that I can hug them, you know? And one thing people would tell me because of the pandemic, they would say, be careful, when, be extra careful when you come to, to Skid Row, you know, you extra careful, that was the emphasis. Mm -hmm. And I would respond, you need to be extra careful when you go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Because the same thing that's happening here, is happening in your neighborhood. So there's no extra careful that I have to be. I need to be careful, yes, and take my precautions. When we are out here in Skid Row, we practice social distancing. Yes, we, we do that. You know, because we, we understand. We, we do it for our safety and for the safety of the community, right? So, but we need your help. We need your help. So if you would like to volunteer, you could please send us a message at our Facebook page, Sharing Love With Others. I was going to say, uh, do you find it worth rewarding? But you just already answered the question. <laughs> what I admired when I was watching and I was looking at is that the uh, the care and the attention that you brought, which you, which you forgot to say, and I'm going to say it again, is that she put, could prepare these meals at her home. Where you, I want to point out to you, because you don't have to be some big millionaire or drop a If you really want to make a difference in helping unhoused people, these small things mean a very a lot. As a person that's been unhoused and unhoused now, I understand that. And I wanted to point that out because uh, she chose one moment in time to say, you know what, I'm going to make a difference, a positive difference instead of a negative difference and calling the police on them or causing more misery for people that already are down on their luck. Uh, is there anything else would you like to uh, uh, to inspire anyone to say anything to get people to want to um, come out and volunteer or do anything to help? Well, yes, I do want to kind of piggyback on what you said. You don't have to have a lot of money, you know, any little thing that you have to donate or to help the community, you could start with that. If you would like to join us, please send us uh, a message on Facebook, okay, and we would happy to have you volunteer with us because we do need volunteers and we need financial support. So thank you very much. My name is Maxine Seeley, sharing love with others. And thank you. There you have it. Uh, this is Theo Henderson from Weedy and House, and I thank you all for listening. And may we again meet in the light of understanding.
This is C.O. Henderson from Weedian House, and I have another uh, resilient man. I like your shirt, good color. Uh, uh, this is, I want to let him introduce himself before I butcher names. I'm very bad with names. So. My name is Keith. Keith. Keith, uh, tell us a little bit about your story. So how did you become unhoused? Well, I was, you know, I've been an alcoholic for a long time. Okay. That's off the get-go. Yes. But uh, we made some mistakes, you know, and uh, got in some financial jeopardy, got in some situations. Mm-hmm. And it just got to the point where I, I just couldn't stay where I was. And I didn't have money to find a place mm-hmm. or a job. Mm-hmm. And one thing led to another, and time goes fast when you're on the street. You know, you think that it's going to change right away but it doesn't and then you start getting used to it mm-hmm. and it's almost like you're really not trying as hard as you can to get out of here when you could you you see you appear sober uh, have are you taking doing the steps or what's uh, going on no I, I mean i'm not i mean I, I don't get drunk i don't drink to that excess mm-hmm. to the point where i, I get hammered mm-hmm. <laughs> okay um it's just but it's a necessity in the mornings it's so much you know mm. Uh, I don't know, man. It's not like we want to be out here. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes after a, a long period of time, you get comfortable out here. How long have you been out here, if you, if, if you don't mind me asking? Half, I think, years. Are you originally from here? I am from here. Okay. Down the street from here. Oh, wow. So um, things happen, and you become out here on the street. I was going to ask, um, what would be the best way to help you then, to get you on your feet? Uh... You know, I, I look at the, I look at the motels that they're offering. I look at the, I, I I don't have a lot of trust for people in my life. Okay. It's just I don't know why. Whatever I've been through, but uh, I, I don't I don't know if I believe that there's an agenda behind people's giving. Sometimes not not you and, and the food that you eat. You know, but some people I just don't, I don't, I don't trust in everything. And I'd like to get off the street on my own accord if I can. That's understandable. Well, thank you, uh, thank you, Keith. Someone's trying to get your attention. <laughs> this is Theo Henderson from Weedian House. And I one more question before I, I let you go is that um, Project Room Key, as you said, has some challenges. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to end up unhoused that are housed now because of COVID-19. Um, how are you coping with it? And what would you, what advice would you give to people that are newly going to become unhoused? Well, honestly, I'm a little older. Um, I don't have a fear of this thing. I never have. I, I really don't. I, I, I don't. I never liked to wear the mat. I understand it's real and people are dying and this and that, but I'm not scared to die. Oh. I'm not. I'm just not. I've been around too much. But uh, you know, I do wear my mask in the store and I do what I'm supposed to do when I go places. I, but this thing doesn't worry me. I, not not for myself anyway. I, but I don't want to be... All- Why doesn't it worry you? Because I'm curious. I, I just... I don't think it's going to affect me. Oh, okay. I believe it's just... It won't affect me. Um, I could be wrong. You know, but there's carriers of this I hear that, that, that don't have any symptoms. That, yeah. That, I don't like that fact mm-hmm. either. Uh, Are you in reasonably in good health? Yeah, I've, I've never had a... Few, you know, I mean, I have no problem. Okay. You know. Well... I mean, what drinking has done to me, whatever. But no, I mean, I'm, okay. I, I'm sure that I got... <laughs> Some damage to my liver and this and oh, that. Okay, okay. But I have no heart problems. I have no 
diabetes. I have no allergies. I got no asthma. Mm -hmm. I got, you know what I mean? In general, I, I keep my body moving. So I, I, I stay pretty good. I thank you for your honesty and I thank you for your courage. Um, I can tell you guys have a, a good community here. You guys are kind and respectful. Um, and I took my hat off you yet. And I thank you for your time. This is Theo Henderson from Weedy Unhoused. And I thank you all for listening. May we again meet in the light of understanding. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. Unhoused News. Multiple people were arrested at South Bend, Indiana's police breaks up an in-house encampment in South Bend, Indiana. Protesters performed civil disobedience actions by stepping in front of machinery and other tools to displace the unhoused. The police stated that they would use pepper spray if the unhoused don't disperse. Three were arrested. New York and Los Angeles slash budgets needed for the city poor, the young, and other social services, but do not cut the budgets for the police. New York projected a $7.4 billion drop in education and youth services, and nothing from the police budget. The U.S. spends over $100 billion annually on policing, most from local budgets. An additional $80 billion on incarceration, according to the 2000 report by the Center of Popular Democracy. In other news, an unhoused man survives an attack from housed vigilantes driving off in their cars. The police sergeant informed the man that it could have been someone that lives in one of the houses around here that doesn't want unhoused people around here. And this is Unhoused News. Good afternoon. This is a beautiful Saturday, and I'm privileged to be out here with another unhoused resident. Uh, this is CEO Henderson from Weedy Unhoused, and I have a person out here that we're just doing outreach, and I wanted her to tell us about who she is and her story, in her own words. Without further ado, let's start off with your name. Christy. Christy, thank you. I have to tell you, like, you have this radiant glow, and, and it's not that they're just pulling your leg. It's like, are you doing some kind of fashion? Are you doing makeup or something? Oh, What's going yeah. on? Um, I try to, you know, still keep um, decent. I wash up, and yes, my makeup. Yeah. Yes, and my hair. <laughs> I also have to tell you this, too, because you can see, like, uh, I'll be honest with you, I was walking around in the restroom and looking for the restroom. Uh, other people didn't, uh, maybe one person did say, tell me, but you, like, your your energy, your personality was kind and was very directive to me to go to the restroom without this scowl because, you know, as an unhoused person, we're a little bit apprehensive. So how long have you been out here on the street? Uh, about three years. Uh, you know, what happened? Uh, lost my job, lost my place, had nowhere to go, so I'm right here. Are you originally from Los Angeles, or are you from somewhere else? No, I'm from in, in California, Woodland, California. But, Woodland? Uh, yeah, Woodland, oh, okay. like Woodland Hills. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to work out there a long time. I used to hate the bus ride. <laughs> so um, what did you do before you became out here? Uh, I had a job uh, for a baseball uniform company. Really? Yes, and I hmm. was living with a friend. Mm -hmm. um, and she, living with a friend didn't work out because she brought her son back in. Mm -hmm. And I had to leave, and that's where it hit when I had to become homeless. I had nowhere to stay. Mm -hmm. 
So how do you able to, um, because you're out here at Saddle Ranch and I've never heard of this place, how did you find this um, park here if you lived in Woodland Hills? Uh, well, I didn't live in Woodland Hills. It was Woodland. Woodland, Woodland that's by, the number. By Sacramento. By, back, wow. Back that's where far. I was born. Oh, yeah. okay. But so how did you hear about Saddle Park? I lived out here like most of my life, uh -huh. you know. Okay. Um, I was out in this area where I became homeless mm -hmm. and just friends met people and they knew about this park so we and I kind of knew about this park too but not to stay but now I'm here mm. and staying do uh do the police bother you or park rangers of course the police will come and you know ask us to either if we have our blankets out ask us to pack up and leave mm. um but, of course, we're always coming back. <laughs> How are you guys are dealing with it in COVID-19? Are they still doing this, or have they backed off? The COVID-19? Um, we just been staying here. Mm, we, okay. And we wear masks, mm -hmm. you know, wherever we go. But they had, we kept hearing stories about shelters and mm -hmm. stuff, but people that were positive or, or only welcome mm -hmm. or, you know, or other things, yes, that, yes, and yes. now it's different. becoming yes. different. Yes, so we don't know what's going on because no one really tells us straight what's going on. Has anyone came out to talk to you about it, the, the new developments that's going on? For example, they have the rooms available uh, for not just people that have uh, COVID-19. Have they came out, like family services or anything like that? Uh, the only one group, the H... H something H home H M L A or something like that. H M L A, okay. I think okay. only they came out once. That was uh, when the coronavirus thing started, mm -hmm. and they told all of us that we could get into a hotel at Super Eight, okay. but one per room. Right. Um, you know, and we had to stay in. There's no leaving. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So right. we didn't really like, you know, the fact of that of us not leaving or. Yeah you know, one per room. Like, yeah. they didn't accept couples or anything. Hopefully, uh, I've heard that they're, from, they're trying to expand on that, but yes, I keep hearing about these curfews or the nurses leaving at 7 o'clock and locking you in, or yeah. I've heard different um, kind of reports about that. Uh, do you... do? When they close it at night, are you able to have a bathroom access or a hand-washing station? Are there any of those here? Yeah, right now, lucky enough, um, they've been leaving the bathrooms open for oh, us. Oh, that's so, good. That's great. Yeah, so, yeah, we have that. Uh, besides that, yeah, we don't have nothing, really. I mean, we have to look, and it's hard. Mm, I understand. we got to do what we have to do, you know? Yeah, I know, yes. <laughs> I totally get that. Because uh, I'm diabetic, and like I say, you know, I have to go to the bathroom quite often. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you is this. What is the best way for us to help you? Um, pray for us. I mean, that's about it right now. I don't know what else you guys could do for us. Okay. Uh, do you, is, does your family know you're here? or? Yeah, my mom knows I'm here. Okay. She comes and checks up and brings okay. us food or whatever she can, you know. Okay. But she has her own life, and she's living with her, you know, boyfriend and mm -hmm. mom, so, mm -hmm. which is understandable. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time. Um, this is Theo Henderson for Weedy and House, and I thank you all for listening. May we again meet in the light of understanding.
afternoon. This is Theo Henderson from Within House. Today is a very special day. I'm out here in the front lines with one of the first responders. This episode talks about the first responders that are often ignored. We always see people that work in the health profession or in supermarkets, but we don't see the truth of first responders. In this COVID-19 and before the COVID-19, there have been first responders that have been going to the least of us, if we, as society is like to blame us, is the unhoused community. In the studios today is Kathy Huck, one of the frontline first responders. And without further ado, welcome to our show again. Thank you, Theo. It's good to be back for another time. I rarely get invited back, so I'm really feeling good right now. <laughs> well, you've been on your best behavior in the last episode. So I has figured, like, well, I'll give, you a, give her a chance. So tell me, I, I want to highlight you and I want to talk to you about this kind of outreach because it's incredible because of so much of because societal norms does not really recognize that you guys are first responders. What's going on? Well, I mean, we have we have COVID-19, so we have a pandemic. But what I do is nothing new. You already know this. We've always had the unhoused community. But every time there's something new that happens, that community is affected negatively even more so. So now with this pandemic, how do I self-quarantine? How do I... Uh, stay safe at home? How do I stay home when my home is outdoors? Mm -hmm. So some of the things that we're dealing with is uh, making sure that people are getting food, making sure that people have some uh, semblance of shelter, even if that's just a tent, you know, that's better than no shelter. And also making sure that they have the other things like hygiene, socks. Um, As you know, um, working with us, Yeah, he works with us, too. (laughs) But working with us, uh, a big part of what you're always, you know, pushing is uh, the outside resources, making sure that we're marrying them to the resources that we need. We just spoke to this lady here that may be eligible for Project Room Key. So um, just giving her the information and what she needs to do and also using our, you know, uh, organizations of friends. You know, we have a lot of friends that are with organizations that have resources that we use. So taking advantage of our friends' resources. As a first responder, is it tough to see that when you're going out here and you get to have the supplies and you come back and you hear someone's things have been taken or, 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 or they've been swept? What is your feelings about that? All right, so that is like my pet peeve. All right, so now you can make me get mad. Y'all are going to see me mad for the first time. But it is really hard because it's hard enough as a marginalized individual myself, ethnically, mm-hmm. you know, we don't get paid. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people think that that's the case. So everything that's happening with about my father's business, as you know, either is coming out of our pockets, out of my pockets, or some donor, if we get a, a donor. But nothing have we ever gotten from any local official or government grant. So for the city to come out, matter of fact, I'm just gonna go into my last one, which was on a Saturday, two weeks ago. As you know, we bought 40 pounds of chicken. It was frozen, it was already pre-cooked. We bought uh, 20 pounds of chorizo, as I can remember, and I think 120 hamburger buns, uh, 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 patties that were frozen. We bought that on Saturday, plus, as you see, everybody gets a grocery bag with two or three days worth of groceries as well. And for us to get a call Monday 
in less than 48 hours after giving out all of that food to find out that um, sanitation and the care team, which, why do they call it the care team? They don't, they don't care, but the care team and sanitation, uh, LAPD, uh, Lhasa, they came out and they took everything. And it was just my birthday, right after my birthday, I yes. did a uh, fundraiser, a fundraiser right. uh, on Facebook and I asked everybody, all of my friends, to please donate so that we could have tents for COVID-19 so people could self-quarantine at least in a tent. Mm -hmm. And you know I had a shopping, I bought every tent in Walmart. <laughs> One of the things that touched me, two things I want to say, like today, one of the things that made, uh, made me uh, smile is when you walked away and says, I love this job and I would do this without being uh, paid. But also what broke my heart one day, and I, uh, when you told me the story of a young lady out there creating or creating uh, masks for the unhoused community. Can you tell our audience about that story? That was also on the, the same sweep. Uh, so we'd given out, um, I raised $1,355 for tent. Mm -hmm. But this little girl, her name was Shana Rose, and she, her mom is a friend uh, from uh, Orami. Her name is um, um, Krista Koch. Krista decided to make masks for us, mm -hmm. for our team out here. Mm -hmm. And also, they made enough that we could actually hand them out to the people that we serve. Mm -hmm. That little girl and her mom, they made well over $1,300 in masks. Those were swept away also within less than 48 hours. And what the people were told were they were contaminated. Well, they were reusable masks. They even took the time to make the area for the slot to put a filter in it. Mm. They were really beautiful masks. And they were taken, and the meat was taken. The man said they took the freezer, you know. <laughs> the meat was in a freezer. Mm. Um, the tents, the, the only tents that were left that we purchased for my birthday were two. That was my birthday present. There were two left on that street, and uh, they were brand new. And I asked them, I went back, and I asked them on Tuesday, I interviewed them, why were they taken? They, they were told by sanitation that the meat was contaminated, that the uh, tents were contaminated, that this stuff was contaminated. And if Mayor Garcetti has a moratorium on sweeps, if the CDC says by sweeping uh, a, a, an encampment, you're spreading and making this virus increase, then you're not doing this, this, the, 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 the community, mm -hmm. housed or unhoused, any service by moving an encampment. And people, if you watch this and you are housed and you like calling uh, the council office to have an encampment move, mm -hmm. you're part of the problem too. Because every time you call and that encampment is moved, somebody is displaced. And it makes our job hard too, because as you see, you've been following us, we have to look around and find our people. Yes, yes. I, and it's like a, a, a Herculean task because they're in hiding, because they don't want to be swept or taken all of their belongings. And there's a definite need here. Um, what got you into doing About My Father's Business? What was your inspiration? My mother. Ah. <laughs> Talk about your mother, because I'm a mama's boy, so you got to tell me what, 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 what happened. Well, we're both from Chicago, yeah. so I had one of those Chicago mamas. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And my mother was that lady. We, we, we were Air Force brats. We, my father did pretty well in business. My mother, if, some, if say some kids in our neighborhood were struggling, I have had to give away my birthday gifts and mm -hmm. Christmas toys. Mm -hmm. When my mother moved out here to L.A. in 85, 
I think in 85, my mother moved here. Her first thing was to go down on Skid Row. She had heard about Ted Hayes, mm -hmm. and she would have us go down there <laughs> every Sunday and set up tables. And sometimes she set up her own tables over on 4th and Wall Street, <laughs> and we would feed the unhoused community. Mm -hmm. And uh, my, it's, that's been my life. Mm -hmm. um, I started going to uh, Sunrise Christian Fellowship in Simi Valley, I think in the mid, like, 94 or something like that. And Ken Kraft was my pastor, is my pastor, and longtime friend. Even there, he was doing that in Simi Valley. Oh. So he's always, even in his ministries as a pastor, we've had to take care of the less fortunate. Mm. So when he started, he was with uh, San Fernando Valley Rescue Mission for mm -hmm. a while, the director. Then he right. started Hope of the Valley, and I worked with him. I've worked with Manny Flores, you know hang out with Laura Rathbone and, you know, uh, Laura kind of got, Laura Rathbone actually got me into encampments. Oh, really? Yes. Do tell. <laughs> <laughs> I was working at the day center at Hope mm. of the Valley and Laura, that's when she was getting all, like taking hundreds of unhoused people downtown to City Hall right, to right. protest uh -huh. and uh, get H pass. Mm -hmm. And uh, one day we were at work and she was like, you know what? I'm like, what? She goes, you should come and go with me tonight. Mm -hmm. I'm like, where are we going? And she's mm -hmm. like, I want you to go with me in uh, Oikos 445, which is the name of this outreach ministry. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what's the difference? She goes, you'll see. And we went into the encampment, it's raw, because now I'm not, you're not coming to me mm -hmm. or, or where I work or my turf or however you want to say it. Mm -hmm. I'm coming to your home. To your home. Yeah, exactly. To where you reside. Exactly. And I don't care where that is. Mm -hmm. You're allowing me into your space. A, yeah, yeah. And it, it's raw. It's different. I've made, I, I, I feel like I've always made really heavy relationships. You know, I, mm -hmm. I'm like a... And any East, you know, if I don't connect deeply, I can't connect at all. Mm -hmm. And I've made deeper relationships because people are inviting me into their personal life mm -hmm. and to, to see the raw side of what it is to be unhoused. Mm -hmm. Wow, that you've given us a mouthful of it. I, I want to talk about the future because it is essential because my eye is always on the future of the state of being uh, the houselessness right now. We have a situation here. We have unhoused people that are out here. We have a, a slow or anemic uh, city council. And we have in the, in the horizon over 45% of people that are housed and secure that will be joining the ranks of houselessness. And I want to see what can we do and what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? And how can About My Father's Business meet the need and challenge? I think the uh, one of one of the first things is we keep ad advocating for uh, affordable housing. We keep advocating for services that are needed, you know, not just for the unhoused, but for people who are housing insecure. Because right now with the pandemic, look at all the people on unemployment, and there are people that are being ev evicted, moratorium or not. Mm -hmm. So yes, thank you. <laughs> at the end of the day, however they come down the chute, they're gonna. Most of them are going to land in my basket. Exactly. What I think and what I believe is we have to stop wasting money. So if it's costing $30 million in 2019 to do sweeps, $30 million would Thank buy <laughs> how many buildings? Or, you know my dream. Mm -hmm. I say find a beautiful uh, four or five acres puts uh, make a, a mobile home park beautiful some of the most beautiful home mobile home parks mm -hmm. 30 million dollars would build that 
you know, and, and it would be cheaper. It well, would, it, well, what about if you don't have a mobile home? But okay. if, you if, you're, another, if you're going to build a building, yeah, 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 you can buy mobile homes yeah, cheaper than yeah. if than spending seven hundred or hundred for one. Uh, what is it? Um, studio apartment. You also had something about the homes that you. I, we were driving one day. You were talking about how it would be cheaper to make certain type of homes. That's why I was leaving. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Uh, I think that if you had, if you use container apartments, mm-hmm. that's inexpensive. You could do 3D printing and build homes like we build like 10 homes right now. Mm-hmm. They'll be ready tomorrow. But I think that we have to use these uh, different, uh, uh, I, I, I want to say, um, these, these abilities, these different ideas. I, I sound like Trump, huh? Mm. We have to do this stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we, we have to, uh, I believe that we have to uh, use the innovation, the, the technology that we have. But I'm just saying, to me right now, the answer to this, $30 million. You could make a mobile home park with trees, a, a park area. You know, why do people have to sleep in their cars in a parking lot? Yeah. And that's expensive. Yeah. Mobile home park is still cheaper. It's cheaper. I have another question. Is like one of you, which you pointed out, because it is expensive, is the Los Angeles Police Department budget is 54% of the city budget. Why are we spending over billions of dollars paying them to criminalize unhoused people? I think this is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. Well, I think that that's another problem. I think that we're spending way too much money on policing, you know, especially if I could tell you that it's a waste. Mm -hmm. It's a waste to spend tax dollars to do uh, sweeps of encampments. It's a waste of tax dollars to drive up and down the street and uh, racially profile my kids because mm-hmm. they black. Exactly, you know, exactly. uh, that's a waste. I used to be a police officer, as you know, mm-hmm. back in the olden days. Yes, yes. But my job was to protect and serve. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, the community I worked in, you know, that was just my job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that there are people that shouldn't be in these jobs. I don't mm-hmm. know. We, we militarized our police department. Yes. I carried a 22, a 22 Smith and Wesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the old fashioned was spin around. Right. <laughs> I swear I did. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, um, we're militarizing the police. Everybody's afraid. Afraid of what? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, police officers now are doing jobs that are not their jobs. Thank you. You know, they're doing work that's not the work of the police department. The that's police exactly. department has become um, social services. They become mental social health. mental health. Yeah. And you know, and they, and I have seen good officers trying to decide. Uh, you know, pastor, I don't know. Maybe they need DMH. I don't know. You know, they don't know. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think the closest any other thing any police officer should have to do would be first aid. Yes. You know, that's when, it. I, when I was a cop, I, if I made it there before the ambulance, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, let me stick my <laughs> finger in this bullet hole and, <laughs> you know, hope that you don't hemorrhage bleed out, out exactly, bleed exactly, out. Yeah. So, you know, now they're doing all these other things. So I think that the biggest problem, budget, budgetary, police department aside, is I feel like we're throwing away a lot of money. You know, if I, if it costs $1,300 for tents, and you consider that um, little Shana Rose made $1,300. And you know for yourself, we bought about $700 worth of food. Mm-hmm. How much did that cost the taxpayers? Zero. Nothing. 
It came out of your pocket and you did it yourself. So it cost them nothing. Right. It, how much does it cost to do the sweep to take all that, though? And that, to me, is fiscally irresponsible. So why should I take a grant from uh, anybody at the city? Mm-hmm. Why should you give? Why do you want to give me a grant? So, because you know, I'm going to go to Costco, the Restaurant Depot, Smart and Final, buy some good food. Mm-hmm. So what? Are you going to throw the taxpayers' money away too? It's just like the city hall council members that buy these Christmas bibs, and the very next day, and I remember seeing this in Echo Park, they swept them on, on a rainy uh, day after Christmas. So these, these issues are poor examples of service. I'm going to conclude this interview with a quote by Shirley Chisholm, and she says, service is the rent you pay to stay here on this earth. And I ask our audience, as well as our city who is listening, is what type of service that are you providing for the citizens of Los Angeles, California? Here is a service provider that's providing a service long before it was known, and she's just doing it out of her own pocket and gets the least recognition. This is Theo Henderson from Louisiana House, and I thank you all for listening. May we again meet in the light of understanding. Thank you for listening to episode 24 of The Other First Responders. Too often we give credit to the poor working class medical personnel as well as the first responders that work in stores. But we do this in a very self-serving and selfish manner. We do over $6,000 flyovers, but we don't provide affordable wages for them to live and survive. The gas station attendants are not able to see their families because of the COVID-19 restrictions sometimes, as well as the fact that we don't pay them a livable wage. The first responders that in this episode are people that are giving money out of their own pockets. And that still, the city has worked against them. The city in concert with police officers, NIMBYs, and the sanitation department have used this format to terrorize the displaced, the unhoused, to silence them from getting a voice and coming together and speaking out against it. Because they know that they are afraid that once we unite, that we're gonna hold them accountable. Much like the killing that will happen in Minneapolis. But it's still necessary for us to remember that our first responders here are people that stepped up in COVID-19 when the city didn't, when the NIMBYs didn't. So let's remember that the next time you see a food line or when you see some of the unhoused out there getting services from these extraordinary people. If you want to donate, please donate to About My Father's Business and Maxine Seeley. Thank you for listening. And may we again meet in the light of understanding. Thank you.